The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. Greetings, scribes. Just a quick break to recommend our recent sponsor's Book of the Month. Book of the Month makes reading better by offering members a few new book selections each month to help you cut through the noise, save time, and make it easier to decide what to read next. Each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and picks five to seven of the best new books for you to choose from. All of these books are good, so you really can't go wrong. Book of the Month helps readers like you and I find books that we wouldn't normally discover on our own. The cool part is selections largely focus on new and upcoming authors in multiple genres. Book of the Month also recently launched curated audiobooks, so members can get a hardcover or an audiobook each month, which you can then download and listen to right in the app. This month, I chose A Little Supernatural Fair in Murder Road by New York Times bestselling author Simone St. James. Described as the story of a young couple that find themselves haunted by a string of gruesome murders committed along an old deserted road in this terrifying new novel. Just go to bookofthemonth.com to pick your first book and join Book of the Month. That's bookofthemonth.com. And for a limited time, you can join and get that first book for just $9.99 with the code CHIRP. That's C-H-I-R-P. Enjoy. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. I have a category called strange, which I which I use for more plot related things. So if there's a talking giraffe or if it's, you know, sort of goes into mm-hmm. science fiction or fantasy, I can I have a, a category for that. Imagine everything you've ever worked your whole life for and worked to accomplish just kind of getting thrown out the window because all of a sudden it just didn't matter anymore. That's what happened to me. And the only thing I could seem to find myself able to do is write. Greetings, scribes. Welcome back to The Writer Files. I am still your grateful host, Kelton Reed, wishing you positivity, productivity, and prosperity per usual. And this week, I've got a unique double-wide lit mag-themed episode that includes interviews with two pioneering souls. My first guest is Eric Harper-Class, a writer and founder of the full-service short story submission service Submitted. And my second guest is Jenna Facenda, founder of Eclipse Lit, a nonprofit literary magazine. Eric Harper Class is the founder of a unique business, the world's first full-service submissions company for short story writers, SubmitItNow.com. He's also a critically acclaimed writer whose work has appeared in a variety of journals and been nominated for multiple pushcart prizes. Eric and I talked about the sniper versus blunderbuss approaches to publishing, Zen and the art of rejection, how his unique submission algorithm was designed, why glossy lit mag queries might be a waste of time, and how to stagger your submissions. Stay calm and write on. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click subscribe to automatically see new interviews as soon as they're published and leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts to help other writers find us. All right, we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by a special guest I have Eric Harper Class, what's happening, my friend? Not much. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Kelton. Absolutely. I'm thrilled to uh, be able to get to pick your brain about the submission process, the all uh, ever consuming and, and sometimes frustrating submission process for short story writers, right? Indeed. Let, let's say always frustrating. <laughs> um, I, I do usually ask guests how they are uh, surviving this very tenuous time in history. Uh, how are things in Los Angeles? You know, it's it's pretty locked down here. I, I Most of my income I make as a private SAT and ACT tutor, I'm willing to admit, and, and uh, it's just dead. We've, we've been dead since March. You know, students just aren't taking tests, so they're not yeah. they're not getting tutored. I mean, that's part of why I rolled out Submit It, which I know we're going to talk about. Um, but we're hanging in there. I, I do uh, some curriculum development for another company, and and uh, 
you know, we're, we're, we're okay. But yeah, it's, uh, there are some industries that are just killed and test prep for sure is one of them. Yeah. That's crazy. It's, um, upended so many different, um, pieces of, uh, you know, not only education, but also just people's lives and, and yeah, you know, imagine you invest all this time and energy into, you know, trying to get into get into a good college and, or, you know, you're leaning or relying on maybe a scholarship, um, via sports or, you know, all these different yeah. pieces, right? It's like a domino effect. Yeah. I mean, it's just the, the students who, who aren't getting to go to college. Uh, I had a, a student who got into Harvard last year and was just so pumped to be part of that community and, and be on that campus. And she is, you know, working at home and it's just not, you know, you get four years and 25% is a pretty big percentage. Yeah. It's crazy to think, um, yeah. if you pay full tuition at a, an Ivy league school that you're doing it like everybody else on a zoom call. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's nuts. I mean, it's, you know, the, the, not to lighten the, the, the pandemic and everything. I, I, I love working from home. I am a bit of a loner. I, I'm happily married and have a dog. So it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm lonely all day. Um, so I, you know, I kind of like this. I, I, I talk to my friends often enough. Um, but yeah, for people who, who want to be out there and connecting and, and learning in a classroom and, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's rough times. But yeah, so moving on, um, you are a writer and you've published stories and essays um, across the globe. But uh, yeah, I guess um, let's let's kind of wind back the clock a little bit and go into kind of the origins of this fantastic service that you offer now, Submit It, which is a, a full service submissions company for Lit Mags. And uh, yeah, got, roll back the clock a little bit and just kind of explain the process of how you came to, you know, where this algorithm came from and, you know, kind of some of your frustrations with the process. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, this, this started as something just for myself. I think I started out like a lot of writers, I call it the sniper approach where you, you write what you think is the greatest story ever written and you send it to, you know, maybe three or four journals, uh, including the New Yorker and maybe the Atlantic and, and a few others. Um, and you're just pretty, sh pretty certain it's going to get picked up. And then of course, six months later, you get those rejection notes. And so I, I definitely went through that with a few of my stories. Um, and then I tried what I call the blunderbuss approach, which I think is kind of the next natural thing that a writer does. Uh, I, I, I really wanted to be published. I, I, I felt like I'd been writing now for long enough. I thought I had, uh, I thought my stories were good enough. So I just started sending it to everyone. Um, and it worked. I, I did get published and in, I got published in some some pretty cool, definitely smaller, but some pretty cool journals. But man, the effort, uh, the, you know, the the dozens and dozens of submissions and you're just kind of guessing you're just throwing shit out there and, and hoping that it sticks. <laughs> um, so so I started uh, I decided to start reading these things. I, I kind of um, I have some background in music and, as a drummer, and I thought that um, a lot of my learning as a drummer was spent in clubs listening to not just great drummers, but also bad drummers. I thought there was a lot of value in just in seeing what other people were doing. Oh, yeah. And I, and I sort of talked myself into doing the same thing with with writing and with short stories. Uh, and I started reading journals just to, to learn. And uh, I knew I was going to read some good stuff. I knew I was going to read some bad stuff, but I thought that the, there would be a great education and it would obviously help me learn about these journals. So I, I just started reading journals. But pretty quickly, I realized I wasn't going to be able to remember everything that I was reading. Uh, my, my first plan was, I'll just make a list of journals for myself and and submit to those journals. But there were too many, and I was I was losing track. So I started quantifying. Uh, I created some categories. I have some writer friends, and we sort of went through a couple months of trying to decide how to, you know, what, what's sort of an impossible task, but trying to uh, quantify these things. So uh, I created a, a spreadsheet and started putting data in and over, I don't know, about a year and a half or so, I just read literally over a thousand stories, hundreds and hundreds of journals. Amazing. Um, yeah. And, and, and I realized, I guess at some point that this could be for other writers, not just for myself. And, mm -hmm. and that's when, that's when I, things I think got kind of interesting. Uh, I would keep reading a journal, even if I recognized that it was, was not a journal for me, but could be for somebody else. Um, so yeah, the, 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 you know, the, 
the creation of the company was largely, I think, just creating that algorithm. Yeah. Um, the the rest, you know, the building a website and doing all those things that that it's not nothing, but that certainly uh, is not a separator for me. I think the algorithm is is a big separator. Interesting. That must have been fun, actually. Um, you know, because I remember in, when I was in creative writing school, going to the you know the big bookstore here in town, tattered cover, and looking at those shelves of lit mags, and there's just so many. And they're also very different. Some of them are wrapped in, you know, like shrink wraps. You can't really get into them. Yeah. You know, and a lot of them are prohibitively expensive for like a starving student. Yeah. But that must have been actually pretty cool, a pretty cool process. It was, it was, it, it's the interesting thing about it is it's gotten worse as I've gone along. So <laughs> I, I started with uh, the top journals um, and have, have, and I'm still frankly moving my way down to smaller journals, newer journals. Um, I also read, um, there's five or six annual uh, short story anthologies that I love reading. So you're, so I obviously started there. Yeah. Um, and now I'm, I'm working on journals that newer journals that come up and, 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 you know, journals with, with editors that aren't great. So I'd say now maybe 10% of the stories that I read, uh, I come away slightly changed or feeling like I've read something great and man, there's some, there's some bad stuff, but I think it's important to read that stuff. I, I don't know what kind of stories I'm going to get from my clients. I get some good stuff. I get some stuff that's not great. Uh, I don't need to tell the client that, but I can certainly head that story to a place that I think has a better chance of, of, hmm. of accepting it. And I'm not going to send a, a mediocre story to, uh, you know, a great journal like AGNI or New England Review or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, but yeah, for the most part, the process, the, I, I, I love reading and it's, it's, a, I, I try to do a little bit every night, uh, with the, sh with short stories. So it's, it, it's, it's not, uh, it's not terrible homework. Well, I found, um, very fascinating. Some of these statistics that you trotted out in, um, the, uh, article you wrote, the single biggest mistake writers make when submitting to literate journals and the, the number 9,884 submissions and zero accepted stories yeah. uh, was pretty, pretty interesting. Of course, I'll drop the link in the show notes, and I, I will drop the link to submititnow.com, uh, which is where Submit It lives. You can go over there, check it out, check out the services there, um, which we'll dig into here a little bit more. But um, yeah, I think uh, it looks like you maintain a database um, of over 400 journals that you are helping authors to submit to, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. And um, there are some that have a much higher rate of, you know, uh, acceptance, which is pretty, pretty, you know, obviously you don't think about these statistics. How, how would you, how would writers get a hold of these statistics, yeah. right? There's, there's a website. I recommend uh, any writer uh, join this website. It's called Duotrope, D-U-O-T-R-O-P-E. Uh, um, it, it, I don't work for them. Uh, they're so, so basically what duo and they're not competitors, uh, to submit it in any way. So they are, it's basically a site that has, uh, information about just about every journal out there, um, including statistics from its users. So, um, and there are a lot of people who use Duotrope. So, so I think the, the statistics are pretty good. Um, so you could go to a journal like a New England Review and see how many people have submitted stories over the last, I think it's six months, um, mm. what the acceptance rate is, how often you get a, a, a form rejection versus a personal rejection. You can also see other journals that uh, members have submitted their work to, as well as New England Review, so it can kind of help you branch out. I use Duo yeah. Trip a lot to, to find the journals in my database. That's great. Uh, and that and that's where I get my number. So the the my my acceptance rates uh, to these journals, which I do share with my clients, so they have a sense of of how hard it is, are probably on the low side on Duotrip. I think they admit that people tend to, as you would imagine, um, over-report acceptances and under-report rejections. Uh, but it still it gives you an idea. I mean, it's just it, the the top fifty or so journals are all hmm. much closer to zero percent than one percent. Uh, according to Duotrope. So yeah, man, it's it's really hard. I, I, I don't know anyone who should enter writing fiction short stories thinking that uh, <laughs> the goal is to get submitted every couple months. I mean, right. it's, it's it's part of the process, but I, I hope I hope it can be uh, sort of put on the back burner as, as not the goal of this. Yeah, it is fascinating to think that 
getting published in the New Yorker is, um, you know, it's, it's not something typically new writers, uh, you know, pr- they probably dream about it, but they don't realize that um, all of that work is uh, kind of handpicked by the editors, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, D- definitely. The what I call the glossy mags, uh, like Harper's and Parish Review and the Atlantic and the New Yorker, um, it, it's almost not worth it. Um, I if I get a really strong story, um, or if I've written something that I think is is you know has some potential, there's not a ton of harm in sending it to these places. Uh, I actually think most of those guys don't have submission fees, um, so in that sense, like. It's why not? It's kind of like applying to Harvard, even if it's a long shot, <laughs> right? You know, um, your fallback. <laughs> yeah, totally. But yeah, I think it's important to dig a little deeper with these journals, and I, I think that's part of uh, what my service does. I, I don't, you know, unless you want to go out there and just spend man hours and hours and hours reading these things and, and exploring Duotrope or, or other places. Uh, I think that's one of the benefits of submitted is just that you don't have to put that time in. You have to kind of trust me that I've done the work. Yeah. But, you know, between my top hundred and my bottom hundred, I have, you know, literally a couple hundred journals that I consider uh, pretty solid, have been around for five years or more. So, yeah. So I think that's part of what I'm doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it's a valiant service. And I want to say that I, I do appreciate the idea of um, kind of studying mediocre art, you know, kind of like the, the idea of like the really good bad movie. Um, you come away yeah. thinking, God, I, I just, I can't believe that was so it was so bad. It was good. But on, on the other hand, I think, you know, kind of knowing what's out there, knowing, you know, kind of where as a, as a literary um short story writer kind of where your work would fall in the, in that world yeah and i will point out to listeners that um submitted does not submit nonfiction, of course or um genre stuff right right or or poetry i i've i've i actually just got a request um from someone uh, who who wanted me to submit some poetry for her because she uh, i'm doing a short story for her and She's also a poet. And I said, look, I, I would love to, but I, I don't know shit about poetry. <laughs> I mean, I wish I did. Um, I, I'd love to write poetry and read it and, and learn more about it someday. It's like on my list, my my endless list of things to learn about. <laughs> right. um, but, you know, my poetry goes about as far as anyone else's who, who took literature in high school. Um, so I said, I, I don't have a I don't have a you know, an algorithm for it. So right. I, I, I could handle the submission process if she wants me to, and she can tell me where she wants me to send it. I, I've been doing nonfiction for the last month or so. So I, th- I think you're officially right. I'm, I'm not, you know, doing nonfiction. Um, but I've had a couple, again, a couple of happy clients who asked me to do nonfiction for mm-hmm. them. And I've decided that I think I'm okay with it. You know, it's a question of do the category, you know, do the, the, the criteria, the way I've rated fiction for a particular journal match their tastes in nonfiction. And I think it's arguable that they probably do. So, mm-hmm. so if, you know, if there's a journal that's publishing experimental, uh, difficult, uh, let's say lyrical, topical uh, fiction, I think there's I think there's a likelihood that they're probably publishing similar stuff in nonfiction. So I'm kind of I'm testing it, let's say. So, yeah, I don't want to say I'm not doing nonfiction, but it's 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 a little riskier in the sense that I just haven't taken the time to read as much of that with these journals. For sure, for sure. Well, we'll look for that in the future. Yeah. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. But yeah, talk a little bit about um, the story analysis piece and um, kind of the 12 categories that you, um, I guess, are you rating, ranking, doing that kind of a thing with the algorithm? Yeah, totally. Uh, as you're talking, I'm pulling it up so that I can literally tell you what I rank these things in. So there are, I basically have, uh, seven main categories that I, that I score stories in on a scale of one to five. 
Uh, and so those are, and I can kind of, these are sort of my clue words. I can kind of get into them a little more detail if I need to, but, um, like the style of the prose, I think they're, they're, I call it kind of lyrical prose versus just straightforward prose. Mm-hmm. Um, the more poetic it is, the higher that score, by the way, none of these are good or bad. They're just ways of, of sort of analyzing the story, um, level of difficulty that sometimes includes, uh, what I call thickness. Is there a bunch going on? Um, is, is the language hard to understand, you know, I think modernism, I, I would generally put as a high under difficult Ulysses would be a high difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, how topical is the story? There are some journals that really are, are into, you know, pandemic related stories, COVID-19 sure. stories, you know, race related stories that I would consider that topical and, and others seem more uh, kind of timeless in what they're looking for. Uh, experimental, uh, for me, experimental has to do more with form than with, uh, plot. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, if somebody wants to write a story, uh, that's just some guy laying in the grass, not really, you know, <laughs> the, the less plot I say, the more experimental it is regardless uh, of, of formal experimentation. But I'm usually looking for form there. I have a category called strange, which <laughs> I, which I use for more plot related things. So if there's a talking giraffe or if it's, you know, sort of goes into mm-hmm. science fiction or fantasy, I can, I have a, a category for that. Um, beyond uh, what genre fiction, of course, would entail. Um, is it humorous? Is it dark? Um, so those are my big categories. I do consider quality um, without telling sort of anyone. Um, if I, if it's a really low quality story, I'm not going to match it up again with some of these journals that I just know aren't going to uh, accept it. Uh, high quality stories, obviously, can shoot a little higher. And then there's these other, I call these these binary categories that I just sort of, they either have it or they don't. Um, things like uh, is it historical? Is it international? Uh, is it short? Is it long? Uh, does it, th- there's, there's a lot of interest these days on, on marginalized groups. Um, so that's a binary category that I think will help you get in some journals, but some other journals just don't uh, seem to care. And those tend to coincide with topicality as well. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I hope that wasn't more detail than you wanted. Oh, no, but that's yeah, awesome. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's invaluable for writers uh, just starting out because, you know, um, if they're not thinking about these things, they, they probably should be. But, um, you know, oftentimes when you're in the thick of things, uh, you can't see the forest for the trees, right? Yeah. And I mean, you know, I was sort of forced to think about these things because how else am I going to, you know, have hundreds of journals and, and get these stories from clients and figure out where to where to send them it, it, at a certain point. It becomes more than just kind of remembering, oh, that that might fit well here. Yeah. You know, so it's 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 cool to I do I do sort of check the numbers. I, I will, especially with my own work, a, a journal pops up and I'm like, huh, that's I wonder why that one's there. And I can kind of go through and say, oh, yeah, I see. I see where I was, uh, you know, rating the stories that that journal had published. Um, you know, and I think it's important to say it's, it's not perfect. You remember that scene in, in dead poet society, uh, when, when Mr. Keating, uh, was teaching the class, I, I think it was like the Pritchett, uh, method for analyzing poetry. <laughs> you, you, you graph like, uh, um, oh shit, man, what was it? Importance on, on one graph, on one axis. And, and you, uh, I don't know, it's, it's just, it was hilarious. And of course he tells them after drawing this graph on the board to tear out the page because <laughs> it's shit. Right. <laughs> um, so I, I don't claim that this is perfect, but I think it's better than not having it. And it and I do think it does a pretty good job of making sure that I'm sending stories to places that aren't going to just say, what the hell is that story doing on my slush pile? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that that is uh, really, really cool. Well, kudos, man. I mean, you know, there's definitely a lot going on here. I, I recommend going to submititnow.com to look at submitits. Um kind of FAQs, kind of dig in there, look at the services. Um, it seems invaluable to me. Honestly, I think writers are going to get a lot of value out of this. Um, you know, you can choose how many journals you want to be submitted to. And, uh, you know, you can definitely communicate with Eric over there. Yeah, I was just going to say for writers who might be looking at this in the future, you had, you know, kind of some advice if you're if you're thinking about going it on your own. And I think it starts with reading every short story you can get your hands on, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's that's the starting place for sure. I think that's the mistake most writers make is not reading. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I say that because that's certainly what my mistake was. Uh, I, I would submit to journals and, and when I started 
uh, really doing my research, I'd, I'd read a, read from a journal and it would, you know, the aha moment of, oh, I see why they're not accepting my stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not even close to what they're looking for. Um, so yeah, it's, you know, I, I've written some articles about how to submit, um, partially obviously to market, submit it, but also just to pass on that information. I, I, I'm not really that concerned about, you know, every writer suddenly deciding, Oh, I think I, that's a great idea. I'm going to go spend the next, uh, you know, six months reading journals, but that is, I think important. And like I said, I think it's, it's, it's important also for you as a writer to, to read this stuff, to kind of figure out, Oh man, that, that metaphor that I think is so great is used in every fourth story or, <laughs> uh, the, the second person point of view, uh, which I still see just all the time, man, that is just such an overused point of view. I didn't know that until I started seeing it, um, in every journal. So yeah, that I think that's a big one. There's a few other things that I, that I sort of discovered along the way with my own stuff. Uh, I talk about staggering your submissions. So, mm-hmm. uh, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't do that before. I just sent my stories out and sat around and waited. And if they were, if, you know, if one story was rejected by every journal, then I'd be done with it. But, but now, uh, you know, if I, if I believe in the story and I should, if I'm sending it out, um, I just move on to round two, uh, and, and start sending to, journals that have higher acceptance rates that maybe aren't as high quality, but, um, I, I don't, I don't like to have, I, I, certainly I do, but I don't like to have a story that's never picked up by someone. I have obviously limits to what I can do with my clients. Um, just because the, you know, unless they're literally paying for me to send to endless journals, but yeah, so I, so I'll start with the top journals and sit around for a couple months and wait, and then I'll, I'll go to the next tier down. So that's, that's a big one. Yeah. I mean, for obvious mistakes, formatting mistakes, um, get that right. You know, every journal's a little different what they're looking for. Um, I see a lot of grammar mistakes. Luckily, I, I do a lot of copy editing. Uh, hmm. In fact, when, whenever I get a, a story from a client, I, I can't help but do some copy editing, even if they're not paying for it. I, I call it incidental copy editing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, our, our, our lack of collective uh, knowledge of grammar it's, it's disappointing. Let's say, mm. I mean, I love grammar mm-hmm. again. I, I sort of come from test prep, so I, I, I had to learn the rules before I, I started teaching, but that's, you know, you just, you don't want something like bad grammar to throw off a reader right off the bat when they're reading a story. Well, in addition to those submission services that you have listed over there, um, Eric also offers editing and consulting services so you can take advantage of his, uh, know-how. And I understand that you're a bibliophile who also abides by the Oxford yeah. comma. So um, we're on the same team there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you had a cool um, social media post about this uh, the library in Ojai, I believe, that, that uh, just sounded like heaven. Oh, library. yeah. Um, Bart's Books. Not a library. It, bookstore, it's a bookstore, yeah. bookstore, right? Bart's Books. Um, it's, a, it's a used bookstore, but sort of lovingly cur- curated. It's not, you know, there aren't piles of... of, of mysteries and romances you know all around it's it's alphabetized by author and the here's the great thing mm. anyone who lives near ojai it's outdoors so you can go now uh i i don't work for them by the way either but they, yeah it's a wonderful place <laughs> i think my wife and i were there for a couple hours last time we were there just talking to the guy who runs it um and i we came away with with piles of books so um yeah if, you know to segue to reading i mean yeah i just think as as writers um, I guess we all know we're supposed to read. I, I wonder though, if, if we read enough, I don't feel like I read enough, but I, I just think that that's such an important part, whether it's reading journals, uh, reading, you know, short stories, whether great or, or not great, but just reading, uh, you know, I can't imagine anyone writing who's not in love with reading. I love that. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. Head over to submititnow.com. Submit it takes the guesswork out of submitting to literary journals. And uh, as we all know, the chances are, are you know, probably slimming <laughs> um, to getting published these days. So uh, having uh, some help there is really probably pretty invaluable, especially right now. But uh, yeah, is there, any, is there anything you want to leave uh, your fellow scribes with on just kind of how to persevere before we sign off here? Uh, you know, just... In terms of perseverance, expecting failure, expecting rejection, I think is important. It's something I, I try to make clear on the website. Uh, I don't want anyone to think that coming to submit it is a guarantee that you're going to get published. 
So, uh, you know, I, I just uh, I, I wrote an article uh, recently, the Zen and the art of rejection. Um, and, and, I, and I and I just wanted to kind of go through some of the things I I, I do when I get rejected. Everyone gets rejected. I, I have a couple clients right now. One is a multiple push cart prize winner. Uh, and another one's been published wow. in some great journals, Green Bureau Review, Narrative. I mean, these are great writers. And and we we talk about uh, re- rejection. You know, she, one of them, the, the push cart prize winner got rejected a couple times and and she emailed, you know, and I always email my clients, say, yeah, here's a, the rejection. Really sorry. Uh, she says, hey, this is we know we all know this is we've been doing this. We This is part of the game. So, uh, you know, I hope uh, Submit It will improve writers chances, hopefully greatly. Uh, and take some of the pain of the whole process off their plate. But uh, yeah, it's part of the game for sure and it needs to be embraced, I think. Well, we really appreciate your time, your know-how, um, and your dedication to helping authors um, get published. And yeah, submititnow.com. I also have uh, your home base there, ericharperclass.com. Is there anywhere else you want to connect with listeners? You know, I, that's it. I, I'm not a social media guy. I don't have a, a Twitter account or Facebook or, you know, maybe someday I'll, I'll be drawn in. But yeah, that's the websites are, are, are pretty good. I, I do use email, though. You can find me there. Okay. Well, we appreciate your time and uh, stay safe out there. Um, and then we'll uh, stay tuned for uh, more nonfiction uh, submitting submissions in the future. Sounds great, Kelton. It was really, really a pleasure talking to you. In the second segment of the show, I chatted with inspiring Philadelphia native and writer, Jenna Facenda, founder of Eclipse Lit. Eclipse Lit is a nonprofit literary magazine founded on a mission to give artists a medium to heal while benefiting organizations dedicated to helping people facing trauma. After losing her fiance to suicide and finding solace in the transformative power of writing, Jenna set out to provide a forum for others who have suffered. In this file, Jenna and I talked about the writer's journey and healing through art, her dedication to helping lift other writers out of the darkness, raising mental health awareness and support, and how to start a nonprofit literary journal. And listen, if you or a loved one are in distress, and would like some emotional support, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline Network is available 24-7 across the United States. Whether you've struggled with suicide yourself or have lost a loved one, know that you're not alone. If you're in crisis, talk to someone now at the Lifeline. Call 1-800-273-8255 or text TALK to 741-741. And we are back on the writer files and i am honored today to be joined by a very special guest i've got jenna facenda founder and uh marketing ex- executive for eclipse lit thank you very much for taking the time to do this today oh thank you for having me well we were discussing a little bit earlier you're in philadelphia so you're a philly native yes i am and how are you uh surviving this pandemic up there in philly well, it has been nothing short of interesting. Definitely can say that I've at least got a lot of readings on during this pandemic, but also being a single mom, dealing with virtual school and working from home, it has been a journey. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and we've all been kind of doing this uh, back and forth with the kids. You know, should they be there? Should they be at home? Mm-hmm. What if they are at home and you're trying to work? Um, and help them to, you know, all the things. It's just, uh, it really is juggling a lot. Oh, it is so chaotic. It really, really tests your multitasking and your patient skills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's made me a better person, but I can't tell. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Ask me again in six months. <laughs> <laughs> These kids are resilient, but, you know, I think that the different age groups and the different social dynamics make it um, really challenging for everybody. Agreed. I completely agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, let's talk about writing. Let's talk about all the things writing and get into this fantastic mission and nonprofit of yours. And um, yeah, maybe turn the clock back for us as we do with so many other writers and just kind of talk about, you know, how, how you've found writing, first of all, and um, then, uh, yeah, kind of uh, where you are now. Yeah. Well, writing found me, I would say, as early as 
middle school. It's definitely one of those classic, my English teacher told me that I was good at it mm-hmm. type of stories. And because I've always been a lover of writing stories, that has always been my outlet and my escape from reality, as well as my coping mechanism as I've gotten older. Um, I actually dove into novel writing heavy throughout college and started going to things like conferences, um, started doing workshops, meeting other writers. I started my own writing business with my best friend, Rachel. Yeah. Um, th- that dived us into a completely, completely different journey that has been absolutely amazing. And then it, it got to the point where, um, I started learning the more I love about writing, the more I learned about publishing and now I work in publishing and I run a writing business. I have a novel I've written and some short stories and poems and different publications. So it's really been just this whole wild journey I didn't expect, really just leading from my passion of just sitting down and just writing whatever comes to mind and whatever I'm feeling in the moment. Mm-hmm. Kind of a stream of consciousness. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about that because you've had an interesting and, of course, a challenging journey. And talk some about, you know, you mentioned the coping mechanism piece, but I think, you know, when we talk about some of your mission with Eclipse Lit, which, um, you know, kind of strives to provide healing through art, right? Yes. What, What we're talking about, in a sense, is kind of like art therapy, and talk a little bit about that and, and yeah, kind of the, yeah. the difference there. So it is definitely art therapy. You hit it right on the nail with calling it that because it's exactly what we're trying to promote through Eclipse Lit. It kind of all came from my own journey of losing someone close in my life to suicide in um, November of 2019. And it was a really, really, really dark period of my life where imagine everything you've ever worked your whole life for and worked to accomplish just kind of getting thrown out the window because all of a sudden it just didn't matter anymore. That's what happened to me. I had a solid four months where I just felt like I was in this dark period of anxiety and depression and I had so many questions. And the only thing I could seem to find myself able to do is write. And not necessarily sit down and write a story or have an end destination, but just write whatever was coming to my mind. It's what would chase my anxiety away. And it really was my saving grace, in a sense, as I went down this journey of grief and depression. And, of course, I got into counseling and there was other outlets I used, but writing was definitely the one that stuck with me the most. And I always knew I loved writing, but This time I was using it differently and that was to heal myself. And that's kind of where the idea for Eclipse Lit came was using writing to heal moments of darkness and trauma because I realized with all the pain and stuff that I was going through, I'm not the only person going through this. I'm not the only person that lost someone and there's other people out there like me who are dealing with loss as well as dealing with depression and anxiety themselves. So Eclipse Lit for me was kind of being able to create a community that is helping to heal other people struggling with these issues, teaching them, whether they aren't writers already or they are, just teaching them the power that comes behind just sitting down and and writing to heal, not really for an end destination. And really I wanted to be able to also bring a voice to these writers, these artists, and kind of shed light and create a community around this whole situation. Because a journey like this is very isolating. And when people feel isolated, that's kind of when the dark stuff happens. And I kind of wanted to make people feel like, hey, you are not alone. Mm. Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I mean, obviously when you're speaking with somebody who's gone, who's lost a loved one to suicide, it can probably be easy to, I don't know what the term is, but, but to not maybe approach it properly yeah. in, in conversation. And I know that, that you can't find the words oftentimes to express empathy or compassion, but losing a loved one is one thing, but losing a loved one to suicide is a completely different thing. What, talk a little bit about those conversations and, and kind of like, mm-hmm. 
I don't know, just some of the, some of maybe, maybe your pet peeves when, <laughs> when, when people talk to you about it, who kind of, um, can't wrap their head around it. Mm-hmm. I'd honestly be lying if I said that I knew the right way to talk about this. Cause even now I still am trying to figure out how to describe what even happened because even I went through it and I still feel myself getting scared, bringing it up to other people or saying it in a public space, because I feel like the talk of suicide and depression and mental illness is still as much as the conversations are starting and becoming open. It's still so taboo. Mm -hmm. There's still a whole part of society out there who it's, it's shameful for them. It's uncomfortable to talk about. It's more of a, let's keep quiet. Let's just not acknowledge it. And then maybe it won't happen. But the scary part about that is when you do that, that is when the, that is when things like people committing suicide or hiding their feelings or not healing happen because you need to have a conversation. You need to be able to talk about it, but it's the most uncomfortable thing to talk about, but I do it because my thought process with it is, is if I talk about it, then other people will know it's okay for them to talk about it or it's okay that they're thinking about it or it's okay that they're not alone in this. Now for me talking with other people in my life, um, thankfully the people close to me, um, who knew the person are very, very open about it. Yeah. Um, and that is helpful and healing to me, but to people who maybe haven't lost someone to suicide, you can sense the uncomfortableness on their face or in their tone because it's, what do I say that might offend someone else? But really what it is, is the person who lost someone, they want to talk about that person all the time, no matter how it happened. And it's okay to open a conversation and it's definitely okay to ask questions if unsure of how to, how to word it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as you put it, I mean, I think it's, it's, and and part of Eclipse Lit's mission is to bring these things to light. Right. And as you describe Mm -hmm. it, that, uh, you know, the eclipse is temporary. So, and I love this metaphor because this is something that we just need to remind everybody about. I mean, the eclipse could be anything really, but Mm. I think it's a power. It's definitely got some power. Oh, that's exactly how I feel. What really fascinated, fascinated me about it the most was that when you think of eclipse, the moon is smaller than the sun, but yet still it casts this shadow, this complete darkness for a period of time. And when somebody goes through something traumatic in their life, whether that's losing someone or abuse or a family situation, whatever it is, that is what it feels like in life. It feels like there's this darkness and you have no clue when it's going to end. You're hoping it's going to end soon. You don't know what to do. And that's kind of the scariest part at times. So with Eclipse Lit, I wanted to be the reminder that, hey, you know, the sun is coming out. Here's the light. Because sometimes when you're in this situation, it's hard to remind yourself that. Exactly. Well, you know, just kudos to you for undertaking the mission. But yeah, talk about, so the, talk about the birth of Eclipse and, um, you know, how, how it established itself as a nonprofit literary magazine, mm-hmm. kind of where it is in its life cycle, because you really just launched recently, right? And you're, yeah. just, you're just working on your first edition, correct? Yep. Yes. Um, so I'm actually completely blown away how fast this thing has grown. And I am so humble. I launched this on the 1st of October, so it wow. was an idea, and I'm a huge planner. Like, if if I was to talk to you about Rightly Me, you would hear my year's worth of plans, my marketing plans, my business plan, all that stuff. But with Eclipse, with Eclipse Lit, it was just an idea that I just had a feeling I knew I needed to run with it. And so I launched October 1st, and we held submissions open until November 15th. During that time... I was also running a fundraising campaign, um, which I still am, to get all of our operation expenses together so we could print all of the magazines out and be able to distribute them and give voices to the artists who are submitting. Over that course from October 1st to November 15th, I've received over 200 submissions, which completely threw me off. And at this point now, in December, we have raised... $1,200 um, towards an $1,800 goal. 
for this. And Hmm. I started this thinking, I'll be lucky if I get $20. (laughs) Hmm. So when I saw how much support I got around it and how many people were reaching out to me or thanking me or just saying that they too are going through this struggle or that they too lost someone, that means the world to me because it's telling me that what I'm doing is what I'm meant to be doing right now. Hmm. Um, So yeah, it's been really amazing. Our first issue is set to come to production in March. I just brought on an editor um, and an intern, which I never thought I would have had an intern. (laughs) Um, And I'm currently working with a local bookstore to set up our launch event and fundraising event in May, which is going to support the Philadelphia chapter of the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, because they're our first organization that we are dedicating this issue to. Amazing. Well, congratulations on on the... um response thus far of course i will drop links to eclipselit.org and then uh also the you can click on the donate button there um and i will drop the direct link to that uh campaign as well through culture trust uh greater philadelphia and um yeah that's so awesome and of course um you know you, you have some bigger goals and and kind of yeah what what um I guess you're really just focused on this first this first uh, printing, huh? Yes. Yeah, I'm focusing on getting this issue into the hands of as many people as I can. <laughs> as well as really right now we're taking these, um, th- these next couple weeks to sort through all the submissions because I'm trying to go through as many rounds as possible to make sure that I am giving my best self when reading them as well mm. as my editor. So... Mm. We've been really taking our time reading through all these powerful pieces, and we are so grateful for the people that trusted us with their words. Yeah, yeah. Helping lift uh, others out of the darkness and and, um, writers as well. You know, I'm sure that there's a lot. I mean, this is a very timely subject because there are probably a lot of writers that listen to this show that are, you know, just kind of suffering from the, you know, the, the, uh, this pall of this isolation that we've all been dealing with. Um, yeah, what do you what do you want to say to them? Honestly, you're not alone is the biggest message I want to give to anybody. And also, don't ever stop writing. That can go with for your mental health and just in general as a writer, as someone who I'm also still putting stuff out there. Just don't ever stop and make sure you're writing for you. Because at the end of the day, you are what's most important. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about, are you, are you currently in an MFA program or? So I was, I took a break due to this lovely COVID situation mm-hmm. and working from home. Um, yeah. Right now, my efforts go towards, I'm a marketing executive for a publishing house. Hmm. Uh, so I split my time between that, working on Eclipselet and working on um, Brightly Me with my with my business partner. Amazing. And talk a little bit about Rightly Me and, and kind of what you're doing over there. Sure. So Rightly Me, uh, we started that in 2015. It was a passion project. It was me and, and my business partner, Rachel's way of trying to create a writing community because we were so excited and nerding out about starting this writing journey is what we call it. Um, and we talk about that a lot in our business, but we create courses and products to help people create their stories as well as help them through mindset difficulties like overcoming self-doubt, dealing with um, just kind of the blocks you face on the journey yourself in terms of like comparison or wondering if your story is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And really, yeah, we uh, we work hard on, we have a great community over there of, of writers, um, some new, some just people who are just looking to connect back to the basics and, and they're taking care of their mindset. Yeah. I love that mindset stuff. You know, I, I, I <laughs> often ask very famous writers about, um, imposter syndrome. And I think that's some of what you're referencing there. Mm-hmm. And many, many very prolific and best-selling authors do suffer still from this, this, uh, phenomenon. It's not uncommon. Oh, yeah. I feel like no matter what part of your writing journey you go on, that just doesn't go away. It's because there's always constantly 
there's facing the, okay, I did this, but is it good enough? And I feel like that just comes as being a writer and an artist. And then there's the, it's out there. I could do more. And if our biggest thing is that we teach people is getting your mind ready, because if your mind's not in a good place, you're not going to create your best work and you're not going to be kind of where I get back to writing for yourself, kind of creating that writing life that you want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love your mission to connect art and activism and, and provide um, a healing venue. And uh, yeah, the art therapy piece, I think, is, is crit- critical right now. And I think it's probably, it probably is helping a, a lot of writers. Even, you know, we've talked about this because it's a very solitudinous endeavor already. But, you know, now we don't have the, you know, the option to pop down to the coffee shop to do editing or meet up with our colleagues and our fellow scribes for a cocktail, sadly. Oh, I miss that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Very much so. Well, Eclipse Lit is a fantastic organization. EclipseLit.org is um, doing some great things over there. So pop over, check check it out. When are you going to uh, reopen for submissions for the next issue? So we are keeping it annual right now to make sure we're giving all of our time and attention to each issue that we do. So uh, submissions will open again October 1st, 2021, with hopes in the future then to be biannual. Yeah, yeah. Eclipselet, you are on Twitter. I will drop the link to that. I will drop the link to uh, resources for suicide awareness and prevention, of course, uh, rightlyme.com. and uh what yeah where else do you want to connect with uh, (laughs) the listeners out there i think i got them all yeah i think if i spread myself any thinner i won't be able to show up as my best self so (laughs) those those are all good (laughs) well um congratulations on on the uh on eclipse lit um and we'll look forward to hearing more from you i think in the future just on how it's going and um you know how you're feeling about everything Yeah, thank you so much for this. I really do appreciate you taking the time. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of The Writer Files. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review to help other writers out there find us. You can always leave a comment or a question and visit the entire archives at writerfiles.fm. And you can chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.